Yeah, I think a few years ago you said you weren't sure about permaculture and you're a bit, I'm like, shit, if Dan's not sure, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings and welcome to the Making Permaculture Stronger podcast. I'm your host, Dan Palmer, and we are up to episode number seven. In this episode, which I recorded on November 14th of 2017, I share a lovely conversation with my dear friend and colleague, Hannah Maloney, who's part of an awesome company called Good Life Permaculture based in Hobart, Tasmania. I will think I'll let our conversation speak for itself and launch right into it, and I'll look forward to checking in with you again at the end. So here I am with my friend and colleague, Hannah Maloney, who is a Tasmania-based permaculturist, permaculture designer, and a lot of other things. Good to have you with me today, Hannah. Thanks for having me, Dan. So I think I got into this all this maybe a little bit before you, but not that long before you, from memory. And um, and we've yeah, so sort of been co-travelers on this on this journey, and you've now started with your wonderful partner Anton a permaculture design business, Good Life Permaculture, down in based in Hobart, Tasmania. And I was grateful to have a chance to chat to you because it would be awesome just to hear what's the, what's the word on the street down there, you know, what's going on in terms of the, the, the permaculture um, movement in Tasmania and, and then honing in on what you're doing professionally because I know you're doing a lot of design consultancy work these days. So what, you know, what are some of your influences and the systems that you're developing? But maybe you could start by just telling us about who you are, what you're up to, what's going on, you know, what, what fires you up. Yeah, good one. Okay, so I live in Tasmania. We've been back here for around six years, I think it is now. So originally, I come from Queensland in Brisbane, where I grew up on a city farm my dad ran, growing herbs and selling them. Mm -hmm. And so I've always, like I grew up in an urban agricultural context, so in the middle of Brisbane. And despite swearing that I never wanted to work in that context ever again, because it's so much hard work, <laughs> after leaving home when I was 18 and travelling Australia, I was working within herb nurseries and organic farms within six months, I think, and was able to come to that uh, realisation in my own young adult self that this is actually uh, highly important work and there's huge potential within this space to connect some pretty big dots between community development issues environmental issues, economic things, and there's a lot of uh, opportunity there to create a pretty fantastic world. So agriculture is really um, what led me to permaculture. Uh -huh. uh, everyone eats and, it, you know, obviously permaculture is about a lot more than growing food, but it's definitely a strong foundation for which to bring people to the conversation and build on that. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm pretty passionate about working with people and landscapes, not just purely landscapes. Yep. So my work is to do a lot of community development, education and celebration stuff, which has varied from running compost festivals to community compost art programs and things like that. It's, it's very, actually, it's very centric on compost. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a bit passionate about compost and um, eliminating food waste from our mainstream waste uh, uh, systems and bring that into a resource. That's my current passion on the side of everything else I do. <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a bit of an edge dweller, like uh, on the edge of community development, community strengthening, and so you know, it's like some uh, working with artists in the mix too. So. Uh, I have definitely um, here and there. So I've just yep. finished working with an artist in Hobart uh, to create these giant compost billboards. <laughs> 
city, like a series yep. of three billboards, yep. teaching people how to compost in an incredibly beautiful visual way. Wow, that's so beautiful. Oh, gee, I didn't know I could also put meat scraps in my compost bin. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah. <laughs> and, and running um, free workshops alongside that strategically and, and yep. working with the council to upgrade their website so it's more educational. And so multi-layered things which are timeless and are fun and engaging but deadly serious in actually moving making the change happen yeah yeah all right cool yeah where, where, tell me how you how you started off with permaculture you did did, did a possibly you did a permaculture design course that tends to be the, the on-ramp is that right yeah i did i did a pdc in 2008 with rick coleman from the southern cross permaculture institute okay yeah uh, yep. in tasmania actually even though they're based they were based in victoria um, but so that was, but I think that you know, definitely the eight years before that, as a young adult, I'd been living and working on farms in the country or working with urban agriculture projects in the cities. And I'm really fortunate to spend a lot of time with people like Anne Marie and Graham Brookman from the Food Forest in uh-huh. just outside yep. Adelaide. Yep. So I had this perception of like, I know what permaculture is, I don't need to do a PDC, I'm mm. surrounded by some of the best permaculturalists in the world. And However, eventually I did a PDC. I went, oh, gee, that was so great. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. joined a lot of dots for me yeah, and yeah. provided clarity for the role that design can, can, play, can play in, a, in any context, really. So yeah, yeah. I promptly went home and quit my job. It was doing forest campaigning and environmental uh-huh. campaigning. Yep. Quit my job and just started working full time in that space. Saying that I, had also, I was also working in school gardens at that time. So I, had, I was very much, I had um, my feet in two different camps with that environmental campaigning and yep. then urban agriculture type projects. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be interested to hear cause well, maybe first you could tell us a little bit about what you're doing in the space of professional design consultancy these days as, as part of your business, good life permaculture. What, what are you, what are you up to? How, how's that looking for you at the moment? Sure. So we work with predominantly peri-urban and rural um, people who own their own private land and quite a lot of school and or community gardens. Okay. And, yep. and then we have a sprinkle of town urban properties amongst that. So yep. this, that will go up and down depending on what's happening. Yep. And we work with people, how should I describe them? I think generally there's a pattern of people who are doing a tree changing pattern or have inherited land or looking to really maximize their land to be productive and and sometimes commercial to um, support them financially as well okay so we work with people it's, it's so broad as all designers would know and we often will collaborate with building designers and architects on when people bought land which is hasn't got a home on it yet so that's a really that's probably my favorite when we can create things from scratch yeah um, yep. in a really thorough way which yep. is wonderful and we work with them really thoroughly in that that design process and currently we set them free at that point because that's the culture around design do the design then hand it over and then yeah. they go and and we we can discuss the pros and cons about that <laughs> yeah yeah awesome wish them luck yeah totally yeah. Yeah, it'll be great to drill into that a little bit um i'd love to hear about the what yeah you know, what comes to mind in terms of the evolution of your design process understanding because obviously you've you did the did the well, you hang out with a lot of permaculturists along the way and then you've done a permaculture design course. I know that you have had some dealings with Mr. Dave Jackie at some point, which had an effect. So it'd be good to hear what, yeah, what, what comes to mind in terms of 
how, how you remember your understanding of design process evolving you know, through the PDC and beyond? Oh, it's a fantastic question. So uh, in the early days of being really involved in permaculture full-time, I politely declined to do any design work for other people. Mm-hmm. And all my work was in implementation in mostly school and community garden contexts and working on my own places, which was usually rental places. So I lived in 25 houses over 10 years, so I had a lot to work on. So I was yep. always building and designing something and practising, yep. but never felt confident to design other people's properties, not because of any personal character traits, but because I didn't have a clear framework to follow. Yep. And even though I'd done a PDC and hung out with some amazing people, mm-hmm. the emphasis and focus was always around how to implement or different strategies and techniques. Yep. And that's, that's useful, obviously. Yep. Uh, it wasn't until I was very fortunate to hang out with Dave Jackie a number of years ago mm-hmm. when he came to Australia at, at the old Milkwood farm in Mudgee yep. and Portland Intensive and Edible Forest Gardening. And we learned a little bit about forest gardening, but most of all, we learned about design framework. (laughs) And walking away from that was like, oh, so many pennies dropped. And Dave's a fantastic thinker and Mm -hmm. a really good communicator. Yeah, yeah. And especially in the flesh, I found his books quite dense and I told him that. He knows that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But as a communicator, I just went, oh, gee, that's so invaluable and helpful and I think he was probably the first conversation for me where he merged permaculture theory and and practice with really strong design theory and practice and then all like within a year I started designing professionally for others I went great I can use all this backlog of um, skill and knowledge I've acquired I can apply it to this really clear step-by-step process uh, and, and take that into that that realm really comfortably and with confidence that it works and that is a robust framework to mm. work within. Yeah, yeah. So, and since then, uh, I have, I guess, the, the main evolution has been around efficiency and context for our Tasmanian space. And oh, there's lots of things within that practical things that we do and don't do. Yeah. That's Maybe well, that, that that's awesome. I think I was just imagining my you know some some listeners might not be maybe they haven't had the pleasure of hearing about Dave Jackie's work yet or whatever and yeah if you could just run through the you know what is the framework what is the process that you you learned from Dave mm, sure. what, what are the main you know what are the main bits to it yeah okay so the main bit main bits that we have really locked onto uh-huh. uh, that we before you start designing a landscape and deciding what goes where and all those all those details, we step way back and we, we work out who we're designing with and for. So working with the people and um, the people landscape, if you like. Yep. So we spend a lot of time getting to know the clients, who they are, what they want, you know, the, how much time they have, how much budget, what's their favourite thing to do on the weekend and do they want to have kids one day? Do they want to travel the world? And, and all these completely seemingly unrelated things <laughs> yep. Yep. that we find is a real game changer. So we spend time before we even go to the landscape we talk we email they fill out some questions for us we do some more talking then we go to to the site and we do more talking about them there's there's, before we even start designing there's 50 percent of the project has been to go who are these people and what are they on about yeah great oh it's great to hear you put that one in a a percentage and you're saying yeah that the bulk of that 50 percent before you've seen the land is that right Oh, yeah, definitely. So they've 
you know, um, with saying that they've, they've sent me the address, so I've, I've looked on it on, oh, yeah. on the yep. so I understand the context and what I'm dealing with. Yep. But as we all know, I could look at a landscape and with my own Hannah mind on go, oh, yeah, we can do this and we do that. But yep. all of that's completely irrelevant once I understand who's living there and what they need from their lives and, and all those details. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so it's so important that I just, um, and it's very easy for me now, I just forget what I think or just put that to one side mm. and go, oh, yeah, that's, that's wrong. <laughs> it's completely wrong for this context. And yep. I deal with my clients. So that yep. happens very naturally now. Oh, that's and, great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it did, it did take some practice, I must admit. I'm like, oh, they just really need some more dams and they need this and they need more that. It looks so good. But, yeah, yeah. I, a couple of podcasts back, I spoke with Darren Doherty and he made, you know, he, he made the exact same point and expressed that that was a, a realisation that he came to along the way. Mm. Particularly when yeah. the clients aren't necessarily forthcoming, you know, you've got to work to draw out what they really want. It's so easy to mm. effectively impose your own desires or wants and sometimes that can even be unconscious i think yeah yeah all right yeah. so you've what oh sorry you go i'm after you that's good yeah you yeah you so you've spent a a great deal of time and sounds like yeah dave jackie's framework he calls this goals articulation and that was um yeah helped you realize and experience the importance of of that time and then and then you get to the land and what are what are some of the big big chunks in terms of how the process is organized from from that point yeah sure this is where it gets a bit more fluid for me and I've, i definitely have appreciated dave jackie's work and also your work around living design and just oh. highlighting christopher alexander and especially i think I, I really like your work around just highlighting the whole and finding the parts within that rather than allocating parts to the landscape yeah um, and that's uh that's something I think I've come to maybe a bit more organically and mm. is a bit more fluid. I go, of course, the water systems have to be like this and, of course, this access has to come like this because of the landscape. And, mm. um, so I guess once I'm on a landscape, I, I map the big patterns that I can see that are really obvious mm. and it's like messy circles on a bit of a base map. Mm. <laughs> and I, the clients are usually there, or 99% of the time they're there as well. So after we have a good chat, I go, great, leave me alone. I'm going to go do this for the next one to five hours, whatever that might be. And in that time, I map, the first thing I do is map those patterns that I can see really clearly. Um, That might take sometimes 30 minutes, depending on the size of the block, sometimes quite a few hours. Then my second round of that property is, is trying to place the people in that context. I go, okay, so the next overlay is what are our clients desires and needs and yep. um, I, I very loosely I'm not I'm not fixated on anything at this stage I just yep. very start loosely start to draw new bubbles over the top of that another overlay going okay this is where that could flow yep. Um, yep. and sometimes that's as far as I get yep. and and sometimes I, I might go to another layer of going okay here's a bit more detail very loosely or here are some three options a b and c for these these six different elements whatever's going on Okay. Um, and then before I leave the property, I, I almost always talk with the clients. I show them, this is what I'm thinking, this is what I can see, and these are some really clear options for how to move forward. Yep, um, yep. So in a, sometimes, I will, often I'll leave the property and I have a very rough rough draft of a design concept, yep. um, which 
when I'm teaching permaculture, I say, don't do that. <laughs> because as new designers, I think we get too fixated on one thing. We, don't, we can't see past that. Yeah. Uh, but I found over the years of designing, it's actually critical, critically important I get something really strong before I leave that property because I can't always afford the time to go back mm-hmm. and do that again. Yeah. So it's a really interesting conversation around running a business, having a really solid design process. Yeah. And, yeah. So, and I've, I'm currently really comfortable with where I'm at with that. So mm-hmm. I feel like that process, talking to the client and then, you know, talking on the phone or emailing is pretty pretty good for us right now yeah oh that's great to hear. yeah and I, yeah that, maybe that that that's a, 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 i think that's a really great and important theme to explore more is like how, how as a professional designer do you i, I thought i thought I might just make the note too that for, for any listeners as far as i'm concerned that the making permaculture stronger discussion around design is not just about professional design we're talking about in this context because we're talking with a professional designer but but keeping that in mind if you are a professional designer, there this tension of yeah, what's what's the kind of ultimate way a design process can play out, and but then how do I reconcile that with the fact that this is happening inside a business context, and I've got to be coming up with some way of charging some people money, where yeah, you know, often the two aren't going to be the same thing. You know, the, the thing the customer is really comfortable paying for, or the amount they're comfortable paying, and the the ultimate amount of time you'd spend on the project aren't the same thing. So how do you yeah? which is what you're saying, how, how do you minimise the time you spend as a, as a paid consultant without compromising the quality of the, the process? How do you find that sweet spot? And that, yeah, that kind of makes sense to me that if the arrangement only allows for one or two site visits or whatever it is, that before you leave, having spent some hours immersing in the site and having already immersed in the, in the people and what they're after, that you have a chance to let some... You know, design ideas and possible configurations bubble up and, and float them on site, you know, so you're kind of crash testing them on site rather than letting that happen off site. And, and, and do you usually get, is there, a, is there a normal in terms of how many times you visit a site or is it quite different from project to project? Yeah, usually one to two and, and okay. mostly one. So because uh, I live in Hobart, so an urban town, Yep. And most of my site visits are within one to two hours of Hobart. Okay. And sometimes much closer. If they're closer, I'll pop back in because yep. I've got that luxury of popping back in. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, but often it's a, it's a practical time constraint. It's like we need to make this efficient and we need to make this absolutely fantastic, basically. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. And everybody involved. And yep. so that's the, the, yeah, that balance we, we look for. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it takes me back to, um, we, we cut our teeth, as you know, on suburban permaculture design consultancy in Melbourne, that was often the case. Often we'd be paid for five hours and we'd go in to a quarter acre property and five hours later we'd walk out having handed them a, often actually a detailed design and, and, and a report detailing the whole thing. It, 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 it kind of brings back some of the stress that I used to feel because <laughs> you know, you're just having to hammer this thing out. And I think I was saying semi-conscious of the fact that at that rate, we were probably taking some shortcuts. I mean, you know, no, I don't remember any disasters, but, you know, I, I couldn't go back to that these days. So it sound, But it sounds like you're finding a nice, yeah, a nice balance where you're doing work beforehand, off-site. You're really focusing your energy on what it makes sense to focus on on-site, which is namely the site itself, and then and then doing... It sounds like you always... It doesn't stop there, right? You, you, you come back and you, you, you flesh it out and... You usually deliver a report and some diagrams, is that right? Oh yeah, so we do. We you know deliver a design. So yep. and um, but then we have 
depends what scale of design service people would like, but yeah. the larger designs that we do are like 40 page report, you know, and okay. the smaller designs we do are between um, 10 and 20 pages because, uh, and this is part of the balance that I go, okay, if I'm just going to hand something over to you, I need you to, I need to give you the information that you need to respond to this chain, to the design as you implement it. And so here's, here's, you know, here's your master plan. Here's the, a, a hell of a lot of detail that goes alongside it. And this is why you're doing it. This is all the reasoning. And also know that when you start implementing it, it will change and you'll have new information and you need yeah. to respond yeah. to that as you go. And so that's, that's the tension. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm setting this free. I've seen so many times clients have started to implement a project and taken shortcuts because it's cheaper, saves time usually, yeah. those two things. And it's heartbreaking to go back and see that because if you don't put your water systems in properly or don't do your soil preparation properly, everything else will struggle forever. We're all after that minimal input, maximum output kind of mm. scenario for lives yeah. and landscapes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so that's a really, that's a stress I want to avoid. And so these days we're actually moving into more of the, uh, working ourselves into the implementation process. So okay. we work alongside some great fantastic landscapers and we hand our designs onto them and that's how to build ourselves into the management of that just so yeah. yep. I can pop in and out and answer the questions or just make sure things if they have to change drastically which they've never have so far um, but we go okay I'm available and we can workshop this and so we're trying to find that space in the, in, within a commercial enterprise how do we how do we make this fantastic and how do we make it how do we show people permaculture is like so good it's not just like <laughs> rambling mess in the back garden it is so so good when you do it right <laughs> yeah, yeah oh it's great to hear yeah i i really can empathize or like, like that that issue of handing well firstly if you're not involved in implementation it can create issues like you've just alluded to and um, whether it's the people doing it themselves or they're then engaging landscapers or other contractors who are always going to have their own ideas and sometimes it can even just be a well, I want to put my own stamp on the project. So whatever the designer said, I'm going to suggest something that I think is better or whatever. So it's great to hear that you found some fantastic landscapers and that not only you can sort of, you know, transfer across to them and obviously introduce them to the clients, but then you, you're, you don't leave, you know, you're still, you're, you're still inside the mix and helping navigate the, the translation of, of those ideas you've had into reality. Yeah, that's the aim. I was yeah. thinking how pleasant I find it today and that I've I eliminate that issue that clients rush ahead by not telling them where they're going in the sense that we, we don't we're not going to even talk about trees until the driveway's in you know just focus on the driveway and get that right or the water systems or whatever it is yeah that's that's unique that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> yeah and we're and we're the 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 diagram of the the system um sure we can draw that up once it's in, you know, once we've drawn it on the ground by, by adaptively yeah. um, installing it. But, yeah, then it, that does come back to that tension of, so, okay, great, Dan, but how do you communicate that as a value proposition to the client up front? Because they say, okay, you know, what are you offering me? And, well, there's, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not offering you a, a, design, a design. We actually just had a client agree, a couple agree on, on 70 acres or something, um, which is very exciting for me. They agreed that they would pay you know, a, 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 a reasonable sum of money, which included a, a topographical contour map 
an aerial photo of their property for us to go through a process of of helping them articulate their context what it is thereafter mapping the land and then telling them simply what the best thing to do first is that that's it that that's the key deliverable and they're really you know they genuinely appreciate that there's value in that with with no attachment to seeing the whole whole master plan but it is an issue right because often people will say to me well so you're sort of saying we just kind of play it by ear and yeah you how, how long is this going to take and i i can't give them an answer i don't know you know i can you can give an estimate and so on but ultimately the only way i've found that it works is that there has to be enough trust in terms of the client trusts you enough to kind of let you off the leash a bit in the sense of paying you an hourly rate where you know you stay in contact and they can pull the plug at any point but every 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 job is going to be is going to be different and i think also you need the, you need um, to work with people who have luxury of time and no sense of urgency around yeah 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 that landscape for whatever reason and so we've yeah. found that that's that's really rare and most yes yeah work with a sense of look we need this to have happened yesterday how do we move forward as quickly as possible and and yeah. and we within our current context we and report writing we make sure we go here's a proposed uh, framework for staging your implementation. First, do this, then do that, and then do this other thing. Yep. And in between those things, you'll probably notice you'll have some new information for whatever reason. That's when you interview and reflect. Yeah, but it's a interesting thing. Oh, isn't it? Yeah, and no, I totally, totally have that over the years. Yeah, I try and filter out clients who are, in, who are in too much of a hurry these days. But yeah, that often I feel like most of the value of being able to bring is just being a handbrake. You know, just slowing it down, slowing it down. Some, and sometimes I'm even uh, a bit sneaky or stealthy about how I do that, you know, because it'll be like, okay, so the next step is this, and that, you know, that obviously requires me to be part of it. But it turns out that I, you know, I just don't have any availability for three weeks. So sorry about that. But let's get back together in three weeks. And, you know, three weeks goes by, and, and off, you know, often they're like, oh, you know what? We just we had that time to think about, it and we've realised that, you know, they've figured it out for themselves. What, which is which is actually something we're good to get your thoughts on too, because I'm finding over time that. I'm less kind of focused on the landscape or what it is they think they are engaging me to help with and more focused on just kind of supporting the people I'm working with to, to get into, get into a process of, I don't know, of being alive in their space and, and, and creating it themselves. And I think this is another, sorry, this is a saying a lot, but I'm not going to stop now. There's another part of it to do with that, that, that hurriedness in our culture, you know, Oh, you know, yeah, we've, we've been working in the city and now we've got enough money. So now let's get some land. Now we want to get a designer and now we want to get the design happening so we can live the dream. You know, they've got this idea of the dream that happens at the end once it's all installed and the, I don't know, the trees are laden with fruit and the, the, I don't know, waterfall into the dam is splashing or whatever it is, whatever the vision is. But yeah, it's, it's that, it's that old kind of Zen or whatever Buddhist, notion that that if in racing toward the destination you you miss the journey and the journey's the point <laughs> that's it that's all we get that's what life is mm. so we're kind of racing through life and, and missing out on the on on, on the that in some ways what i think is the most joyful aspect of a life fully lived which is you know creating stuff particularly the stuff that nourishes you this the the, the ground that feeds you and, and you know the watering the, the water catchment systems that you drink from and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, I know with our own property, which we're implementing, you know, always, it's interesting transition because we both came from renting for quite a long time to yep. owning. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a slightly different conversation, but like the time frame in our heads was like, we need to everything done within a year. Right. So 
then I can live. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, then life can begin. Yeah. Yeah, um, and you know, we're, I think we're here for almost five years now, and we're, and we're still implementing. And yeah, of yeah. course, we've got some big things happening. Yeah. But it's at some stage we went, oh yeah, let's just change our brains, and you know, trees take you know three to four years until they're producing, and and yeah. oh, it is so it's it's such a like change your brain to the natural systems and that time frame and yeah yeah, um, yeah. people had articulated but something shifted there which made it okay and oh this is okay this is exciting this is the feeling like it's yeah, exciting yeah. to know that um, over the next 20, 30 so years yeah. we'll still be implementing. And that's yep. that's actually a beautiful thing. Totally, yeah. yeah. Within that, yeah. Yeah, that, I was I was going to ask you that. I'm, I'm imagining as we're talking all the all the great things I can put on the 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 page, the, the show notes as they call them. So we can, you know, it'd be great if you're happy to share an example or two of some of your professional designs. But yeah, then it'd be great to share some photos of your your place, oh, yeah. your your living this. And I wanted what did I want wanted to ask you is because you're talking about you know, the kind of tensions in terms of having to provide a, a product that the customer values, which in our culture is often a, a plan of their place and what's going to happen over time in, in a specified time frame. What about you being your own client when, you know, you weren't, you weren't having to pay yourself an hourly rate and, and so suddenly that, presumably that tension's released. It's yeah, so, so what was the process you used on yourselves? Was it totally different or similar or...? Yeah, oh, totally the same, but um, okay. it's so much harder when you're designing for yourself and that's a yeah, conversation yeah. my partner, Anton, and I have had many times because um, we're so emotionally invested, we're so present, we haven't got objectivity, uh, we're just so engrossed in this landscape all day, every day. Um, yeah. And so we, we went through the same process. So we have a vision statement, we have a design, and yep. we haven't got a report because... A report writing isn't my favourite thing. Why would I write another one if I don't have to? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but interestingly with us, our vision statements changed at least a few times and that's to be expected. Yeah. And the lines that we've done, I've done, oh, I'm, I'm probably on at least the fourth one and it's changed a lot in between me drawing those as yeah. well, like drawing them up properly. Yep. In between, I've scribbled and crossed out and we've literally moved things. We've, we've built, you know, our asparagus patch is the best example. I think it's the fifth time we've moved it this season. <laughs> right. <laughs> Around our landscape. Yeah, and we yeah. think it's right now and we put it in there, but we still had to shave off a corner just last week. Okay. Like all, you know, we, we put things in and it's a bit of a tricky situation because sometimes we, you know, we got given heaps of asparagus four years ago we're like okay. yeah we'll take it yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we put it in it's the wrong yeah. spot I have to move it again and again and again <laughs> and it's going really well by the way but it's that constant change and tweaking and uh, what you said before is uh, you know, uh something about uh, i'll draw the design once i've implemented it because yeah. then i'm like it's right and that's the same feeling here like i've i think i drew the, the drew up the last design maybe a few months ago but already i need to change it again you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> It's cool, isn't it? Like I remember when I started, I, I felt I felt like I was kind of cheating on an exam or something. You know, like if I if I drew a design, a detailed design for someone, and we started implementing, and things change as they always do. If you're you know if you're actually listening, if you're awake, yeah. If I if I I kind of sneak in and I think, oh, I'll update it now. I'll move that tree because it actually ended up there, and I'd feel like I was kind of cheating because you know I I'm, I'm the expert, and I suppose I'm I was supposed to have predicted all of this. You know, been a a reader of the future or a fortune teller, yeah. effectively. Yeah. 
Whereas these days it's the opposite. I don't even bother often drawing up the whole thing at the start and the whole thing is flipped around. I was thinking when you're talking about your asparagus, I mean, yeah, it got dumped on you, but I was imagining you making up all these little cardboard um, mock-up asparaguses, you know, and then <laughs> moving them back when I felt like I found the right place. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> and it's a similar thing. Oh, no, but like, I think I'm really opportunistic. So when things come up, whether that's asparagus or the right milking goat, which we've recently just got, yeah. like, of course, yeah. we have to make this happen. And so that's, you know, that's maybe not always the best thing, but it, it does definitely accelerate things, which I, I am not against at all. I'm a big fan of progress. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's cool. Yeah, I, I was... I was listening to this guy, Jordan Peterson, talking about the balance of chaos and order, and I was realizing that any, in any process or any living process or any organism, that a balance needs to be found. You know, there can't be too much. If it's, if it's too orderly, there's no adaptiveness, and if it's too chaotic, um, there's just no, there's no systems or structures in place that, that you know, have to keep reinventing everything constantly. It, 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 it drains resources fast. And what I've realized, too, is that balance changes over time like at the start of a process if i'm working with clients it's uh, it feels to me it's so it's so new you know it's just germinating and it's very fragile and i want i want to be in a, a sheltered um office a controlled space where we've got a whiteboard and we've got basically very low chaos yeah i realized this the other day because a colleague came in and kind of dropped a bit of chaos into the situation and got me reflecting <laughs> gave us some stuff to work through but but yeah then, then over time it's really healthy if if, if that order can relax a bit, you know, and oh, it needs to happen in this particular sequence or no, we wouldn't get asparagus yet or we wouldn't get goats. And, and because that's a little bit of chaos, you know, and it, yeah. and it can, that can spice things up and sometimes prop insights and innovations that wouldn't have happened otherwise. And, and so on, but I was realizing it's kind of like a, um, a triangle or a funnel shape, you know, that I've, I've at the beginning, I like uh, order is good. Order is good. And, and get the, get some integrity inside the process, get things rolling. And, and, and then, yeah, then start to, open the doors to a little, little bit of chaos, not too much as you go along. Yeah, I think that's true. It's about like, it's a new relationship you're starting with your clients. And when you start yeah. a new relationship, there's so many unknowns that like, we definitely have a lot of order around that process. We go, okay, we do this step, then step two and step three. Yeah, yeah. And by the time we're meeting on site, we've had a lot of steps already. Yeah. And, and that's when we, we still have, we still sit down and do a formal something, uh, like an interview something kind of process. But then by the end of it, so towards the middle or the end of that process, we start laughing and just like telling, talking about irrelevant stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, and it's a really nice example of how, or feeling that, okay, now we're friends or, you know, loosely comfortable with each other and now we can just start opening that up a bit, as you said. Yeah, and, and that's where flexibility can creep in really beautifully. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like on the first date, you know, you go, go to a nice... Yeah. A, a rest, a, you know, a respectable restaurant that's highly rated or whatever. Yeah. Then you know, several dates down the track, then you can go. I don't know, bear, bear, bear back horse riding or lobster diving. Or <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever the case may be. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Well, this, this is good. This, this is all very interesting. Yeah. And it's good. I always like to remind myself of moments like this that. I can edit all this. <laughs> Why don't we do that? Why don't we have a, we can have a, you know, a, a partway, a midway or I don't I actually don't know when we started exactly, but you know, think about the, the podcast as a whole and where, 
it might be good to kind of head next. You know, might maybe more specific, talk about a specific example. I think it's really been great to explore some of these themes that, which people can, you know, designers will be able to relate to. Mm. Yeah, I guess um, before today, I was going to go listen to some of your podcasts. Uh, I listened to the first two seconds of one and then Frida came home and it was all over. Yeah, what, what happened to you? So I was like, oh, what can I offer that other people haven't offered? And so I wasn't clear about that. And so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Guess, what do you need? Like, what does your podcast need? Oh, well, I th yeah. The, so the, the, the primary objective, I think, is that, oh, these people are talking about design process. They're talking about permaculture and they're just spending almost the whole time talking about design process. Oh, you know, that's the meta message, like design process. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. Permaculture is about design, um, mm. and 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 then and then the second tier. And so whatever that happens, which we've obviously been doing, then the second tier is like yeah, starting to explore some of the you know kind of the topical themes that I've been engaged in around. One of them, which we've been doing, is around um, the design implementation relationship, which we've totally been doing. Another one is around the um, idea of not just thinking of designers clicking elements together which we, we touched on a little bit i mean possibly we could i don't know if you have any further thoughts on that i could ask you a question about that yeah sure yeah um, definitely yeah okay maybe i'll we'll do that maybe i'll do that yeah, okay i'll do that now okay yeah yeah no, another, another question i had for you was in the first making permaculture stronger inquiry what i looked at was this idea that uh, design has been approached and often defined, including by Mollison, quite clearly in the designer's manual, as a process of choosing and then assembling elements or connecting parts to form whole systems, which, you know, in our culture seems quite intuitive, but then I explored the alternative perspective of Christopher Alexander, who who's, uh, explicitly criticises that. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy to say, even if you just think of that as, maybe that can be part of the mix, but to, to sort of think does, that's, the, that's really the crux of design is problematic in the sense that any organism as, as it grows is, is not so much a, a process of all these parts like fingers and legs and things being clicked together, but this unfolding, this different differentiation process where there's already a whole thing, be it an embryo, human embryo or an acorn or whatever it is. And over time, the parts are unfolding from within the whole, like, you know, they, they follow and um, flesh out, so to speak, the, the whole rather than being clicked together. Is that anything, have you engaged with that line of thought? And I mean, you mentioned before, you, you alluded to it before, but I wondered if you had any more thoughts on it. Yeah, definitely. And when I saw your, I think I saw your diagram that you'd drawn inspired by Christopher Alexander and how that could meet with permaculture design, I went, yes, that's, that's it. That's what I've been thinking about and, uh -huh. and not articulating at all. <laughs> but I think when you walk into a landscape and you start to map those patterns that you can see, yeah, you're, you're already mapping a whole system, a whole, a whole living thing, you know? And as soon as we can uh, see those large obvious patterns and map them out and then you can, uh, then you can start to work within them. And I, I look at it as layers, you know, layers of people's desires and needs and then different things that fall out of that. So I want chickens, I want goats, I want all these things. And it's kind of like a, a matchmaking process go okay well turns out that it's completely inappropriate to have goats and chickens here but you can have guinea pigs well, yeah. whatever that might be because yeah. the landscape tells this this is what's possible here yeah. um and that to me i think i think all good designers do that intuitively yes. really but they have to otherwise it will fall over and will not work that's just the bottom line yep. so yep. i think it's a internal conversation people have with different labels and different words but they get there because they have to mm -hmm. and so 
been a beautiful process of just, um, it was such a great thing to see a little diagram. Like, oh, it's so clear. Yes. <laughs> and to me, it's, it's an easy thing. Like I, I just read the landscape and then I can dissect the, the client's needs. Yep. And then have a reality check and go, okay, great. This is what you want. This is what your landscape can inherently do. Mm-hmm. And this is your beautiful, sweet, happy meeting place. Yes. Because, uh, and this is, this is a good thing. And yes, you've made some compromises, but it's going to work so beautifully now. Yeah, <laughs> and, yep. and I think a, a convers- we had that with every conversation with um, all our clients. And it's, it's always fun. It's always like, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yep, Although yep. I have worked with one client where they refused to accept right. the landscape's um, natural limitations and <laughs> yeah. despite many 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 months of conversations decided to not listen yep. to my advice uh-huh. and still went ahead and got overstocked that land okay. and did all the things and you know we're really happy to buy in water and buy in food and and that that's really heartbreaking you're like wow well, i couldn't get through <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. generally generally it's fine yeah but I, I think it's beautiful. As soon as you learn your landscape, know its limitations and possibilities, mm-hmm. everything else is, is uh, easy. It's just, it's just good. <laughs> yeah, and have you ever found, have you ever found, uh, have you ever had a situation where when you've mapped the, yeah, the limitations and possibilities and opportunities of, of, of some people, the clients and of the landscape, have you ever found a case where they didn't overlap? And have you, so yeah. have you ever had to say, hey, you know what? <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't yeah. be here. Yeah. Yeah, that was that. Uh, an example I just talked about, a, a client said, often people will go, we want everything and within their context. I'm like, yeah, yeah. great, let's just get rid of most of that and just do what's really important. And yeah. that, and generally clients within that conversation go, yeah, you're, you're right, you know, and yeah. maybe similar to what you've had with your clients. Of course, we should only do these few things and not all 20 of them or whatever that might be. Yeah. But, I, yeah. yeah, this couple, some people won't listen it seems <laughs> and and or just yeah they go yeah you know we're an aging couple we've bought this new property we want to have a new enterprise we want to have all these animals and do all the things even yeah. though we've got really um serious back issues and we can't work hard and we can't right. do this stuff yeah yeah not enough rainfall to support this what we want to do and not a bit of a severe clash of, <laughs> of landscape capabilities and clients capabilities and desires and that's an interesting thing where I've just, I had to, at the end, I had to, uh, after many processes, I went, okay, this is a design that I've done for your master plan. And this is what the associated report outlines, all the detail about how this can be a really good system. Yep. And within that report, I acknowledge that you want to do something different things, yep. but I don't recommend that. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah well, that's right. And that's, I think that's really important to get to that point where you can have the integrity as a designer to say, hey, this is what I feel is appropriate as a next step or, or in terms of what's possible here. Yeah. And, it, and, and, and without attachment to the client's perspective on that too. It's like whatever, you know, they, they, they're who they are. If they want to do something else, that's okay. I mean, sure. If it's a beautiful piece of land and you see it being trashed or whatever, it can be hard not to, to feel that. But there's, there's been cases where, yeah, I could say, Hey, look, there's a, I just, I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing a, um, an overlap here. And, you know, in some cases, people do get there themselves and, and move on. And, and other times, they they go in different directions. That sounds like quite a, quite an, quite a potentially character-building experience, that consultancy yeah. event. Maybe that, should yeah. be a, maybe that should be an episode focus sometime, like just horror. <laughs> Whether it comes to design kind of horror stories or 
or something. Yeah, some good yeah. <laughs> examples. I, I thought of another, yeah, something else I'd like to get your thoughts on because you're not only designing professionally and, you know, like developing your own style and, 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 and in a way that works inside a viable business and works in your Tasmanian context, you're a seasoned teacher of permaculture design. You know, you've, you've taught whatever hundreds and hundreds of people new to permaculture, you've taken them through design process. And I was, yeah, I was wondering what, what, what that's been like and, and, and in particular, what, what the hit rate's like. What, what, what do people go and do after a course with you? And, and what are some of the ways that you've, you've developed to try and get some of your learnings or, you know, things to avoid across? Yeah, good. I guess like the evolution of, of my teaching experience so far has like teaching on a PDC, so two-week design intensive, is it's good these days. It's really realistic. We teach people very realistic framework, and we support them to create a very realistic design that they can then go on continue to develop. Because after two-week course, it's still still a lot to learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and so I guess. We teach a really clear framework based on Dave Jackie's step-by-step process. Mm-hmm. And even though I don't actually follow that to the dot as a professional designer because it's not necessarily the most efficient process, I embody that though in my work. I can join those dots quite quickly in my head now, which is great. Yep. But with our students, we step them through that um, extensive process so they can start to learn and try that on. It might not be the right one because often we have you know, architects in our course, landscape designers, they've got a really strong design background and theory already within themselves. And so I really acknowledge there's other ways of doing things <laughs> as well. But we see people coming to our course will usually have their own property or be involved in a property. So a lot of personal implementation happens after our courses. Uh-huh. And, and, and more and more we get professionals like architects or design-based professionals coming that integrate it into their current work. And that's, yep. that's exciting. And mm. the other level that I like to see is people engaging in their community. And so that, that's just joining their food co-op or starting a community garden. But there's more stuff happening in Tasmania. And, and coming back to Tasmania six years ago, it was either, okay, we've got to start a business here or I'm going to leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> because yeah. even though permaculture uh, came from Tasmania, yeah. Um, like probably two k's at the road is where Dave Holmgren and Bill Mollison lived when they were uh, developing. Yeah, it's it's not thriving here like some people might think. Okay. Um, and so, the reason I started teaching in Tasmania was so we can help create community and traction around some of these concepts, and yep. and it's happening. It's great. <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> so that's, so that's wonderful. Cool. And yeah. and you know and you and you're you're doing this as well as being having a family. You know, how's Frida? Frida, yeah, Frida is three in January. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and yeah. interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, because, you know, and, and starting a business from scratch you know, in, in, in an industry where there's not a lot of precedent. So you kind of, you know, helping create the industry as, as you go. But, mm. I mean, you've, you've been, how long has it been? Good Life Permaculture has existed for how long? Uh, I think it's around four, four, just over four years now. So, yeah. okay, four years. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, if you still exist after three years, yeah. you know, you, either either you're in a, you know, you're in a good place, you're viable, or you can taste it. You know, you're 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 in the yeah. in the ballpark because you know, after three years, if if you're not if if it's not realistically going to happen, then I think that's the time to walk to, away. <laughs> although that said, in our case, I think 
Ah, uh, yeah, maybe two, two to three year. There were, there were times where it seemed like a pretty tough thing to pull off, but I remember feeling, you know what? Screw it. I've, we've come too far. <laughs> yeah. We're not, we're not, I'm not pulling out of this. We're just going to push through. <laughs> yeah, that is wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it is interesting because there aren't a lot of precedents in Australia, definitely not within my local region, yep. of successful permaculture enterprises mm. or something similar. Yep. And it's, it's a real struggle. And, and I found myself by default offering or just responding to supports, requests of support from our students or people in this area going, oh, there's no one I can go to to ask about how to start a permaculture design consultancy or do this and do that. And I'm really happy to offer that support. And I also have a feeling of um, jealousy and like, oh, I wish I had that person yeah, in my life. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, it saves a lot of time. And um, yeah. I know, I know I, every now and then I've emailed you and Adam over the years going, hey, what do you think about this or that? Just trying to get any kind of mm. um, support or like advice. Like how do you do this in a in this yeah. kind of, it's quite a young industry basically. Yeah. And yeah, so it's been a struggle. But I think for us, like, pra- like really practically, we keep our overheads so low. We keep we do things really efficiently. We do what we're good at. We don't necessarily want to take over the world, but we do want to change the world. <laughs> so we're modest, but we're very clever with our resources, and that's what why it works. I wouldn't do anything else. This is this is, this is very clearly what I want to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hey, yeah. actually, yeah, one thing I thought I'd ask you, I recently had a podcast with Darren Doherty and we were exploring this pattern that a lot of people get into permaculture and, you know, often they're quite sort of, they're just excited, you know, people pick up on their energy and, and talented and, you know, often it just seems like, wow, you, you, you're going to be a, a significant part of, of perm, the evolution of permaculture or the permaculture movement in your area. But there's a pattern where often they leave, you know, they get, for whatever, they, re, they get bored or annoyed or for whatever reason they leave. And in a sense, Darren Doty is an example of that, Dave Jackie's an example, and there's a bunch of other personal examples I know. I was just wondering, because you fit the profile <laughs> of the early part of that pattern, and you might not know right now, but, you know, do you, are you going to stick around? Do you think? Like within the permaculture movement? Well, I guess what I'm asking is this. Is, is your perception of the, the trajectory, you know, the, the way that the movement you're part of and that you identify with, you know, and to the extent that the word is permaculture is in your business name, to what extent is that evolving in a way that's consistent with the way you're evolving to the point where you think, yeah, I'm going to be, I'm going to be part of the permaculture movement, you know, in a self-identified way for decades into the future? Or, you know, as a part of you thinking, you know what, I'll just maybe give it another few years and <laughs> where are you at with yeah. that? I really hear you. So... I have high hopes for permaculture. Like I have enormous hopes. I have, and, and part of that is uh, around knowing Dave Holmgren and yep. knowing his yep. enormous integrity about new thinking and really owning up to some of the original thinking's flaws or weaknesses. Yep. Yeah, yep. So, I, so I go, yeah, this is great. I see enormous potential with skilled people taking permaculture into a range of areas within the professional realm. Yep. I am heartened by the conversations that you're starting down internationally around making permaculture stronger. But these things make me uh, really hopeful for it. So I think I, oh, it's an interesting thing. I, we, I purposely put permaculture in our name because I want to help lift permaculture up into a professional area show people how 
great and diverse it is and important and move that forward so that people realise it's not just Herb's files, it's not a messy thing people did in the 70s, it's actually a real <laughs> clever design system that can be applied across the board. Yeah. Um, and that's, it's an interesting conversation. Recently, I will own up someone, we, we said, should we drop permaculture from our name so we yep. can work with more diverse clientele and cut through the confusion about what permaculture is or cut through the baggage about what it might, what might people think about it, yeah? yeah. Yeah, yeah. And currently we're really, we're like, no, no, I'm really committed to this. I want to help this move forward and move through this next generation and, and you know, hopefully help lift it up because it, it has a, has, can play a really good role in meeting so many of our challenges. Yeah. Oh, so mm. <laughs> I think currently, yes. But I am, a, I am a very practical realist. If I feel like something is not hitting the spot, I would change direction. Okay. But I will always work in this area. Like you will never find me working anywhere else. Yep. But yep. I'm not attached to what it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great to hear. Yeah, well, maybe if, you know, if it does get to the point where you're thinking of, of leaving, get in touch and let's just have a little talk first. <laughs> then, you know, you know, maybe, maybe we can either decide to you know, stick around together or to, to well, leave, actually, don't leave at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, I think a few years ago, you said you weren't sure about permaculture and you were a bit, I'm like, shit, if Dan's not sure, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, David Holmgren was, uh, was, was huge for me. And, and, and to be honest with, with listeners, um, making permaculture stronger, I, I originally construed that as a potentially a parting gift. You know, like, there's a lot I love in permaculture, so at the least I'm going to hear some of my concerns. And, you know, yeah, basically if, if permaculture is not ready to hear those concerns or engage with them, whatever, that's fine. I'll, I'll head off. But yeah, it was ready. And, you know, there's an, been incredible enthusiasm and a really positive reception of, of the whole conversation, the, the design process conversation. But yeah, in particular, David Holmgren, the fact that he's really embraced this conversation. And yeah, design process has been this kind of black box that, you know, has been a weakness in permaculture. Let's not be, let's not pretend otherwise. Let's be honest about that. And, and, Great. Let's go for it. Let's get into it. Let's let's sort it out and, and move it forward. And it's ha and it's happening. And in the last couple of weeks, I've heard from people in Mexico, the Netherlands, France, USA, New Zealand, Australia, where, where it's you know it's it's just very you know hey great thanks for articulating what we've been you know thinking or exploring in, in our own in our own way. Or sometimes hey did you know there's a completely resonant conversation happening over here. So yeah, I, I'm I'm personally feeling very encouraged. So. I'll be giving at yeah. least another five years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> no, you know, feel, feeling really, really good about it. And, and very much um, a very parallel motivation to your own in terms of, yeah, if, if we're going to be part of this thing, let's, let's be part of making it something we're proud to be part of. Because there are obviously, yeah. you know, with any, with any movement, there are, there are various forces at play and, and various potential directions it could go and let's try and help make, you know, the directions it does end up going in directions that we're, we're proud to be part of. Mm. Yeah. I think because it is quite a, a young um, movement or thing, whatever we call it, um, it is, it's still very attached to personalities, whether that's yeah. Dave Hong and Bill Mollison or other key famous permaculturalists. Yeah. I, I look forward to it moving away from that culture and, yeah. and more to standing by itself and yes. going, this is a great framework and a great industry to be involved in full stop. It's got a really high standard across the board, mm. so that's something I'm interested in to seeing how that evolves. Yeah. Yeah, me too. It's quite, I mean, it's quite kind of quite fascinating, really, isn't it? Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, it'll be interesting. Like, what 
how will we think about it in 30 years time it'll be interesting yeah yeah that's right yeah i'm getting there's another episode idea you know get people permacultures from the world to you know to, to sort of like predict you know take take make some make some educated guesses and then you know there's a prize in 20 years or something yeah yeah, yeah we'll get back to you yeah 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 <laughs> Well, this has been great, Hannah. I, I, one thing I, I feel like it's probably time to start, um, yeah. start wrapping up. But yeah, is there anything else that comes to mind that you know that, that either you just feel like you'd like to share, or you think might be of interest to to pet the making permaculture stronger community? Um, I think it's been you've shared some really great insights and tips and learnings along the way. But yeah, just a chance yeah. to, if anything else, a parting message comes up for you. Oh, I wish I had something really profound to say. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can you can you can ride on the on the strength of what you've already said too if you like. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There you go. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure to talk about all all the things. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Dan. Thank you, Hannah. Wonderful. <laughs> talk again soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Can I ask you some um, business advice questions now? Yeah. <laughs> I'll stop recording. I'll stop recording. All right, cool. Well, wasn't that great? I re I really. Really appreciate, uh, feel privileged to be able to enjoy such rich conversations with, with colleagues that I've really come to love and trust over over years of of, of collaborating and, and and sharing the journey together. You can find Hannah and her partner Anton's business, Good Life Permaculture, uh, at goodlifepermaculture.com.au. Uh, in terms of what's coming up on the podcast, I've got I've, uh, recorded a conversation with Robin Francis, the Australian permaculture elder recently so that'll be coming out soon probably the next one i've got another chat with dave jackie booked in which i'm looking forward to and um yeah plenty of plenty of um folk in the pipeline that I'm, I'm really looking forward to chatting to as well so the podcast ain't going anywhere soon if you enjoyed or otherwise do if, if you're experiencing any feelings that uh, motivate you to be in touch you can contact me through the website um, makingpermaculturestronger.net or um, there's a contact page you can send an email or make a comment on a post or, or whatever takes your fancy. Anyway, hope you enjoyed and I'll look forward to catching up with you again in the future.